This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. So tonight, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage that you've always wanted? I'd like to open with a story. The story goes something like this. That, you know, once upon a time, there was a king named King Julius. And King Julius had his kingdom on this beautiful island. And it was a stone's throw from the shore. And he wanted to build a bridge on the west side of the island and the east side. So he contracted with two different builders, two different, you know, architects. And there was an old man that he recruited to build the bridge on the west and a young man that he recruited to build a bridge on the east. Well, unrelated to this bridge building project that he had going on, there was a king from the north, uh, uh, King Negev. And King Negev wrote King Julius and said, why don't you throw a banquet and invite all the princes and all the kings from all over and we'll celebrate our, our treaties, our truces, our, our harmony, our working together. So King Julius thought this was a great idea. So sure enough, he scheduled the banquet, but the banquet was scheduled about six months out before the bridges were to be finished. So the king goes to the young man and says, I need you to finish your bridge in two weeks for my banquet. And the young man who's wanting money, he wants the esteem, the favor of the king says, it's done, I'll make it happen. And then he goes to the old man on the west side and says, I need you to finish the bridge in two weeks. And the old man refused. He said, sire, respectfully, I will not open the bridge a single day earlier than projected. The king was furious. How dare you refuse the king? Look, I see the pylons. It looks almost finished. If if you refuse to finish this bridge now, you will work without pay. And the old man agreed to that. And he worked the rest of his time without pay but he would not open his bridge. Well, the banquet came, and princes and kings came from all over the place, and as they crossed the young man's bridge, they marveled at its beauty. He had pulled it off. He had finished his bridge. And the banquet hall was full, and it was full of eating and drinking, and, and everyone's, you know, um, toasted to the great King Julius. But that night, there was a murder plot. In the middle of the night, King Negev attempted to assassinate King Julius. The whole banquet was a, route, was a ruse, a ploy for this murder attempt. Well, he failed, but he escaped over the bridge in the east. So King Julius rallied his troops, rallied the chariots, and rushed out after him, and the weight of the chariots and the men brought the east bridge crumbling into the water with his men drowning in their armor. And by the time he could summon any more of his reserves, King Negev was safe behind his own walls. The point of this old story, I think if we were to dig down to the bottom of it, is that we are under construction. And for us to try to rush what is being done will only bring harm. Cutting corners, trying to make something happen ahead of its time can only be dangerous. We're under construction by the Holy Spirit as believers. And we have to be willing to allow him to work. And on top of this, we have an opposing force. 
We have a real enemy that is, that is consciously working against you. And he wants to tear down two things in your life. He wants to tear down your relationship with Jesus. And he wants to tear down your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. That's his goal. And you know what? The devil doesn't have to destroy you to rob you of your relationship with Jesus. And he doesn't have to destroy you to make you ineffective for the kingdom of heaven. He only has to distract you. And a romantic relationship can be one of the most distracting things in someone's life. He wants to pressure young people. He wants to pressure you to make adult decisions with spiritual, immature eyes. I personally have seen more students slip away from the relationship with the Lord because of romantic relationships than any other reason. I've seen adults that I thought were like solid Christians, and then as soon as there was that opportunity, something that pulled, it, it pulls them away if they're not mature enough. And so our topic for tonight is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you always wanted? Are you willing to grow first? Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do some construction in your life? 1 Timothy 4, 7 It says this, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training, like working out, exercising, is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. So notice it doesn't say train yourself for a relationship or train yourself for a profitable skill. It says train yourself for godliness. We're under construction. We're growing there's a, in Hebrews, the writer in Hebrews 5, he's like, he's chastising them. He's saying, by now you ought to be teaching and yet you're back on spiritual milk. You're still children. You should be teachers by now. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about himself and he's talking in the context of understanding what love is. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. What's he speaking and thinking about? Love. That's the context. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And then he closes with, hey, there's the marks of a believer are faith, the marks of a believer are hope, and the marks of a believer are love, but the chief of all of these is love. What's he wanting? He's wanting to pull his believers up and say, it's time to grow. You're thinking too much like children. It's time to grow spiritually, to mature. And so that's the question for tonight. Are you willing to grow First, are you willing to let the Holy Spirit do some construction in the bridge of your life to finish his work in some ways? In the subject of Christian dating, we have to continue to tear down cultural beliefs. Let's, let's revisit the first week. Divorce peaked out at 53%. That, that, that gives the world a 47% success rate. Now, at school, is a 47 a passing grade? No. no, it's a failing grade. So the rest of the world stinks at love. They are failures at love. And, and whenever you skip, you know, if you're sick and you miss a class, you don't ask for notes from the class you missed from the class loser and idiot. You find someone who's intelligent in your class. 
But we have the God of the human creation and the God of love right here. We need to consult him and not the world around us. If you want something that society doesn't have, you're going to have to do something different than society is doing. And right now, society is rushing headlong. They're crossing unfinished bridges. They're barreling into romance and love and the emotions and all that stuff as soon as they can, as soon as someone likes them back, as soon as they have emotional feelings. But are you willing to do something different? Are you willing to grow first? Now, the Bible across from cover to cover is a lot less concerned with romance. It talks about it. It has a whole book dedicated to it. But it's a lot less concerned with romance, and it's much, much more concerned with who you and I are, our spiritual development. The Bible is more concerned with your being the right person than it is in your getting the right person. I want to say that again. The Bible is much more concerned with your being the right person than it is with your finding the right person, ending up with the right person. There's this cultural myth that to have true love in a fulfilling marriage, you have to find the right match for you. If you're unhappy in a relationship or you're unhappy in your marriage, it's because you, didn't, you found the wrong person. Of the, of the billions of people of options, you just landed the wrong one. So... You break up, you divorce, whatever, and you go find another one. And if you're unhappy in that one, well, now you got to go find another one. But Scripture from come to cover to cover is much more concerned about who you are. Are you willing to grow first? Because being is greater than getting. If you're a student, a young adult, and you're thinking to yourself, man, why hasn't God crossed my path? with my future spouse yet. Wouldn't that be so cool? Be 15, 16, and already know, like, yeah, this is it. Maybe God is saying something like this. I haven't given them to you yet because you still speak and think and reason like a child. Instead of putting your focus on me, you're consumed with the idea of love. Instead of trusting me, you're judging your own value based on your relationship status. Instead of waiting on me, you're trying to force romance by giving yourself away. Now, of course, it's important to choose wisely and to choose someone you're compatible with. We're going to cover that in weeks to come. But if you're not already the right person, if you're not already the right person before you begin dating, you'll ruin what could be a healthy relationship. Or the right person could be in front of you and you would never know it. You have to first be the right person before you're ready to launch out and find the right person. So we're going to begin the discussion on dating right where the scriptures put the focus, on our development, on our maturity, on the Holy Spirit leading us. Because God intends to work on us first. He intends to work on you first. Elevate, look look up at me. The Holy Spirit intends to work on you first before trusting you with one of his other kids. So let's dive in. There's probably three huge indicators of Christian maturity, of a, of a spiritual adulthood. And the first one is that a, that a spiritually mature person trusts God. The second thing is that a spiritually mature person allows God to transform them. 
And third, which we don't have time to talk about tonight, is that a spiritually mature person is disciple-making. They're reproducing people that love Jesus. But I want to tackle these first two. They trust God and they allow God to transform them. First, they trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trusting God is to give up our self-dependency. It's surrendering our limited view to his eternal view. And in the context of dating, one of the biggest ways that we can trust God is to wait. Think of how many times scripture talks about waiting on the Lord. Lamentations 3.25, and this is a great verse to hold on to. The Lord is good to those who wait, to the soul who seeks him. So two things are happening there. They're not only waiting on him, but they're, they're seeking him. What a great place to start. So if you trust God, you don't have to try so hard. Think of how much energy people put into trying to attract the right person. How much, how much work goes into how they look and how they talk and how much insecurity they deal with. And, and then they go from one dating relationship and that didn't work and they go to another one and that didn't work and they go to another one and that didn't work and it's broken hearts and it's wasted energy and, and so much goes into this. But if you trust God, that he's in control, that he already has this figured out and he wants your best, then you don't have to try so hard anymore. So here's some... Here's five reasons that you don't have to try so hard. And as we jump into these, I want you to think to yourself, like if you start feeling anxious, you start feeling like you're really ready to dive into love, to dive into romance, to begin dating someone, ask yourself, why am I feeling this pressure? Is it from loneliness? Is it from feeling incomplete? Is it from wanting social credibility or needing personal validity? And I'm challenging you to stop. Trust your father. Believers, we have something that the world doesn't have. We have a heavenly father who's got this. So here you go. Five reasons to not try too hard. One, trying too hard results with ending up with the wrong kind of person. Don't give your heart away to the first person that likes you back. This is how really great people end up with losers don't give your heart away to someone just because they make you feel special or beautiful or wanted or popular. That's not a good reason. That's not wisdom. That's not the Holy Spirit. You have the power to choose and choose wisely. Secondly, another reason to not try so hard is you come across as desperate and needy. Being desperate is repellent to people of value who are looking for someone of value. That's, that's good. Number three, another reason to not try so hard is you go emotionally broke. Going from one relationship to the next, it wastes your time, it wastes your energy, it wastes your money, but above all, it wastes your emotions. It makes you numb, it makes you callous. Going from one thing, one thing to the next to the next, you told this person you love them, you told this person you love them, and you gave part of yourself away to this person, it wears your heart out. It's another reason why not to try so hard. Another reason not to try so hard is it throws off your priorities. You end up seeking fulfillment instead of seeking Jesus. And you allow other really important relationships to fall to the wayside as you're so focused on this one. Have you ever been ditched by a friend who just got a new girlfriend, a new boyfriend? And you're like, hello, we were friends. 
And you stop talking to me now. Your whole world revolves around this person. I bet if, if you could talk to people's parents, they'd be like, oh, my kid just vanished on me suddenly. You have very important relationships that God has put in your life. And sometimes if we're willing to try too hard, then we'll let go of those other great relationships. And five, another reason why not to try so hard is it shows that you doubt your heavenly father. I mean, do you actually trust him enough to point your life toward him and let him make your path straight? If you don't trust him, then it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. You're still under construction and you're not ready to date yet. So in the context of waiting, or in the context of dating, a key of trusting the Lord is to wait. And another key is to be honest with yourself when you're under construction. When you can look in the mirror and go, okay, God is at work. I want to let him build this bridge. I want to let him do some work in me before I try to jump into something. When you consider the weight of a romantic relationship, you need to discern if it's the right time yet. And if it's not the right time, that's okay. Stop feeling so much pressure. And just for fun, I wanted to contrast worldly wisdom with godly wisdom. This is a great article. It's great as in it's hilarious. <clears throat> this is uh, from eHarmony.com. And it's written by, and she's called the relationship strategist, quote, unquote. Her name is uh, Melanie Schilling, the relationship strategist. I'm like, all right, what a title. She's going to have some great stuff to say. So the, the, the article is titled, Three Signs you're not ready to date. Listen to this, this is so ridiculous. Sign number one, your inner voice says no. What does that mean? What, what, that is so ridiculous. What is your inner voice? It's your feelings. Your feelings that come and go and they shift left and right and they're all over the place. But, but think about this. Does your inner voice know something that you don't know? Is your inner voice predict the future? Is your inner voice connected to some sort of spiritual realm that, that knows what you need that you yourself don't know? No, your inner voice is as, is as intelligent or stupid as you are. Your inner voice says no is not a great compass. Number two, another sign you may not be ready to date. Dating feels wrong. <laughs> Um, let's refer to number one. It's the same thing. It's all just based on feelings. And then number three, you keep making the same dating mistakes. So if you make dating mistakes, stop dating altogether. We need to remove you from the human gene pool. The world offers this ambiguous, subjective, toilet mold advice on love and dating. You know what she doesn't say? Sign number four would be awesome if she said, a reason not to date is you need to develop as a person. So push the pause button. That would actually be wisdom. But it's weird inner voice, feels wrong, whatever. It's bizarre. But here's some Christian worldview advice from people smarter than us. Signs that you're not ready to date. Or maybe just that you're still under construction. Number one, and it's so practical, your, par your parents feel that you're not ready yet for one reason or another. And this is so good because if you won't honor your parents, who God has commanded that you honor, it means that you're not honoring God, which reflects spiritual immaturity. And so you're not ready to date yet. It's so simple. Number two, you don't have any resources. If you, you don't have a car, you have no money. 
Why would you date? If you're using Elevate nights or school homeroom as date nights, you're not ready to date yet. School shouldn't have to be your date space. Number three, this is probably one of my favorites. You're not ready to date if you don't have a purpose bigger than yourself yet. There's a great quote that if you don't have a purpose bigger than yourself, you become your own purpose. Like your life has to have a meaning outside of you. Or follow me on this. If your purpose is yourself, when you start dating someone, you're saying this, I'm inviting you into my world to live for me. Do you hear that? Or if you have a purpose greater than yourself, you're saying, I'm inviting you into my life because we're going somewhere. How special is that? Number four, you find yourself not being genuine with the person that you like. You, you like really like this person, you're starting to have a crush on them, whatever, and you find yourself putting the mask on. Well, it's, it's evidence that you're not comfortable with who you are yet. It's a sign that you're still under construction. Number five is that you have a significant problem with a sexual sin, with lust. And whether this is pornography or it's lust around the opposite sex or it's homosexual desires or it's sleeping around or, or, or whatever, if, if you have a significant problem with sexual sin or lust in your life, you are not ready to date because you will never be able to value someone for their true value as long as you have the, the lens of lust glued on your head. It has to be removed from your life. You have to get with God. You've got to find a mentor. You've got to find accountability. This has to be removed, surgically removed from your life before the Lord can trust you with someone else. And just as a side note, getting married doesn't fix a lust problem. Just because you can have your wedding night and forward doesn't fix an internal issue with sexual sin. That is something that is attached to you until the Holy Spirit does some serious work. And you will bring that problem, you will bring that issue, that sin, into your potentially healthy marriage. And it will ruin stuff fast. So if you're struggling with this, put on the brakes, get with the Lord and let him work in you first. And finally, you may not be ready to date if you believe that a dating relationship will make you feel fulfilled. It'll make you feel whole, make you feel complete. I had a young man once say to me, Dom, if I'm not dating someone, I really just don't feel happy. Like, whoa, listen to the undercurrent of that. What he's saying is, I need this person to keep me with happy feelings. That's their job. How selfish is that? It's so leech-like. You may be buying into this idea that dating would make you feel complete if, one, you're convinced that having a girlfriend or a boyfriend will make you happy, or two, that you're willing to rush immediately in to a dating relationship with the first person that likes you back. Like, yay, someone finally likes me. They're obviously the one forever. Or, or maybe, like, well, maybe this is my only chance. I better lock it down before it gets away, you know? Be careful with people that, that dive into things like that because they're going to be willing to compromise something. 
If you're not willing to take it slow, you're not ready to date yet. And finally, God's people, you're not ready to date if Jesus isn't at the center of your life. Because you're building a relationship on feelings. But if Jesus is at the center of your life, you can begin to build together a relationship on his character, on his love. He has to be your number one, and everything else has to be number two. So if you're like, oh, well, yeah, some of these kind of got me a little bit. If you're not ready, that's okay. You don't have to feel the pressure. You're not a failure at life. In fact, a failure at life is there's someone that knows wisdom and dives in anyway and causes destruction. That's a failure at life. No, someone who's wise at life, make it, look at this and go, okay, I want to pump the brakes a little bit. I want to reevaluate a little bit. I want to lose the pressure that's been dumped on me. I want to breathe a little bit. Elevate, have the humility and the wisdom. Just admit when you're under construction, and that's okay. We're going to take a left turn that you probably weren't expecting. There is such an opportunity that's wasted and we don't give it enough value. We often criticize it. People work themselves so hard to escape it, and yet it's one of the greatest gifts that God can give. And it's the gift of singleness. Take a look at Scripture with me. Turn your Bibles. I want you to see this for yourself. To 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We undervalue this. People fight so hard with such great fear of something that is so good and of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 26 through 28, and then we're going to jump forward to verse 32. Because of this present crisis, talking about sin and the pressure the church is under, I think it's best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it's not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. Jump forward to verse 32. I want you to be free from the concerns of life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, the Lord. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever, listen, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So what is a Jesus follower's goal? To serve the Lord our very best. And what's the purpose of singleness? To be free from distractions. There's better focus. There's less interference. There's more time. There, there's more expendable income. There's more of a resolve for ministry. There's, there's, that, there's not so much division. It's not a biblical rule that everyone is supposed to get married. In fact, you should be surrendered to the Lord enough 
that if he chooses a life of singleness, that you're surrendered to that. So I've got a question for you. Elevate. Will you serve the Lord better as single or in that relationship that you're considering? Will dating that person make you even more focused, more hearty, more passionate about the Lord and serving his kingdom? And that's the question you have to ask every time. Every time there's some sort of romantic interest, you need to ask yourself the question, will being with this person propel me towards God, towards his kingdom, and towards faithfulness, or will it be a hindrance to me? I've been in a relationship where I'm afraid to talk about the Lord. It's like it always just killed conversation. And then I've also encountered my wife that everything about our relationship made me want to serve Jesus more made me want to serve people more. So you need to ask yourself, how will you serve Christ best? Single or in that relationship that you're considering? Here's a, another fun article. And I actually think it's really great. And, and I'll, just, I'll read it to you because it's just, it's so great. So try to listen while I'm reading. It's called Singles Myths Busted. And it opens like this. Have you ever heard that single people are miserable and lonely and die alone in their empty apartments where they're eaten by their cats? It's not just the cat thing that's a myth. All of those insulting claims about the lives of single people are wrong. Myth number one, singles are less happy than married people. First, most single people are not miserable, not even close. On the average, single people are always on the happy end of the scale. Second, Getting married hardly changes someone's happiness at all. Some married people experience a tiny blip in happiness around the time of the wedding. On an 11-point scale, they're about one quarter of one point happier. But that's just the honeymoon effect. They go back to being as happy or as unhappy as they were when they were single. Because being is greater than getting. Who you are is who you are now, and it's a projection of who you're going to be then. Number two, myth number two, single people favor solitude. Sometimes people say that single people are alone and that they don't have anyone, but that's just a myth. Research shows that single people often have many people in their lives who are important to them. Often they have a whole network of friends and relatives, and they stay connected with them for decades. After all, they have the time to forge many diverse relationships, which married sorts often don't. Myth number three, single people don't live as long as married folks. The longest running study of longevity on record started in 1921 with more than 1,011 year olds. Scientists have kept track of these people for as long as they lived. The people who lived the longest were those who stayed single or those who married and stayed married. People who divorced or who divorced and then remarried were the ones with shorter lives. It was consistency, not marriage, that mattered. So listen to me right now. It may be God's plan for you, for many of you, to eventually marry. And it may be God's plan for you to be single. But... 
it is absolutely certain in every one of your lives that you will have at least a season of singleness. Maybe that's right now. It may not last your whole life, but think about God's purpose for that season. It's a purpose of being undivided. It's a purpose of of not having to take on the cares of constantly having to please somebody else or having to figure things out. This is an opportunity whether this is your season or your season is coming or, or how, whether it's a short season or a long season, this is an opportunity to serve the Lord with 100%. Now is your time to do missions trips. Now is the time to take your money and put it into great places. Now is the time to volunteer your, your time away. If you're in a season of singleness, grab a hold of it. And those who are faithful are going to enjoy it so much. Ask yourselves, Father, during this season of singleness, how do you want me to grow? During this season of singleness, how can I serve you to the fullest? Those are questions of mature Christians. So a mature Christian trusts God. Trusts God with with knowing when to date, with knowing who to date, with knowing when to stay single. A mature Christian waits on the Lord. Number two, a mature Christian allows God to transform them. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed, molded, shaped to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Becoming spiritually mature takes meticulous construction by the Holy Spirit. We are always under construction. For the rest of our lives, we're going to be under construction, but there are some areas in your life that need to be pretty solid before you throw yourself into a relationship full of powerful emotions that the enemy is going to try to exploit. There's some places that you need to be pretty finished. And I'll unpack four of those. First, Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the first places that you need to construct before throwing yourself into a dating relationship is having your priorities in order. What is your first priority? What is your second priority? What is your third priority? And this plainly makes it clear that you know where your priorities are, where your treasure is. What is your treasure? It's your time, it's your money, it's your energy. So where in your life are you putting your most of your money, your most of your time, and most of your energy? That's your treasure. And that should, that should line up. You should think about it. Like, what's the most important thing in my life? Well, is that where most of your time, energy, and money is going? What's the second most important thing in your life? Is that where the second greatest amount of your time, money, and energy is going? If your priorities are out of order, they're going to sabotage you painfully in a romantic relationship. Maybe God is, is calling you, maybe in a season of singleness, to get your priorities straight, to consider where your heart really is, I will tell you, Jesus needs to be number one. Whoever wants to be my disciples, Jesus says, denies themselves, picks up their cross, and follows me. He has to be your number one. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Number one has to be a relationship with Jesus. And I'll give you a clue to number two. It needs to be your family. And everything else takes a back seat into number three, including 
including a romance, including someone that you, you're growing in love with. Until you say, I do, that person's not your family. You have to choose Jesus first and your family. Number two, another area for construction. First is priorities. Second is in humility. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Humility allows room for selflessness. Humility allows room for forgiveness. Humility allows room for honesty and respect. And I'll tell you something, if you're not respecting the authorities in your life, you're not going to respect an equal in a relationship. You follow me on that? If you won't respect your parents, your teachers, your coaches, your, your, your pastors, if you won't respect the authorities God puts in your life, you'll never respect an equal. Humility may be a place that the Holy Spirit needs to do some construction in. Number three is self-control. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air but I disciple my body, I discipline my body, I train my body, and I keep it under control. Like, you can't just live doing whatever you feel. That's what animals do. That's what my two-year-old does. That's immaturity, just floating along with whatever you feel. I have strong emotions for this person. They like me back. I feel like I should be with them, therefore I'm doing it. The rest of the world can just, doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what my friends say, my parents say, it doesn't matter. This is what I feel, this is what I'm doing. No, self-control. A lack of self-control leads to abuse. A lack of self-control leads to infidelity. A lack of self-control leads to pain and loneliness and angry outbursts. Priorities in line. Humility, self-control. And four, another area for construction may be having predetermined physical boundaries. As in, when you start dating, you already know what you're allowing to happen and what you're going to do when it comes to being physical. Here are the lines that you're setting. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So how far is too far? At what point are you not glorifying God anymore when it comes to being physical? How much of your body are you saving for only your spouse? How much would you want them to save for you? What are your boundaries? Are you willing to communicate what your boundaries are? If the person that you're with doesn't agree with your boundaries, what are you going to do? If they don't have the same convictions that you do. You need to decide now. Jackie and I, when we were dating, we had like a full body map of understanding. Like this is the lines that we're drawing. We had buffer zones. Like we're not even like, just to make sure we don't cross any lines. We're having buffer zones. Like we cared about this. And I'm telling you, it pays off. You want to set your body apart for Jesus first. First priority. All right, so quick recap. So we can break out into our apparently very short e-groups. Spiritual maturity trusts God and allows him to do construction. I've given you five areas that construction needs to happen, four areas that construction needs to happen. Priorities in order, humility, self-control, and boundaries, physical boundaries. It's important to be the right person 
and more important to be the right person than to be with the right person. We have to stop trying. You got to stop trying so hard and trust your father. Singleness is beautiful. Singleness should be embraced. And being the right person is having the right priorities. Pursue Jesus. Make him number one. So I'll close with a question I opened with. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? Are you willing to grow first? Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.